Welcome to the Band of Brothers Cycling Podcast. In this series, we talk about the biggest races in cycling and how we prepare for them and give you some insight into the personalities within the team. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. I'm Steph, one of the team's press officers, and today we'll be joined by our rider turned sports director, Shane Archibald. So, Shane, thanks very much for joining us today. Not a problem. Thank you. And as always, I'm also joined by my colleague, Andreas Hartmann. Hi, Steph. Hi, Shane. Uh, belated Merry Christmas to you and, of course, to our listeners as well. As today's guest, Shane Archbold, is a real-world traveler, we think it's a perfect match to give our partner Ewok a quick commercial break. That's right, Andal. This episode is sponsored by our partner, Avok. Avok is a sports brand famous for its protected bike backpacks and sports travel gear and a world market leader for bike bags. With the Road Bike Bag Pro, they offer the very best solution for traveling with road bikes. This bike bag safely protects your bike and only requires the wheels and pedals to be removed. With the cockpit and saddle staying untouched, you can transport your bike exactly as it is, which is particularly advantageous if you've had a precise bike fit done. That's an unmatched advantage that's been used by our team over countless travel miles undertaken for training and races to immensely positive feedback. Commercial break and so it's back to you, Shane. Let me do a short introduction and in the end you tell me if that's all correct. Shane Archbold turned pro at Bora Argon 18 in 2015 and rode his very final race at this year's Tour of Guangxi in China. Spent most of his career in teams managed by Ralph Denk, New Zealand national champ in 2020, lead out superbrain, road captain, and master of good vibes on the bus. And from 2024, he's a sports director at Bora Hansgrohe. I can see some daylight in the background there. It's definitely nighttime in Europe. Where in the world are we catching up with you? Um, right now, I'm in Tamaru, New Zealand, in my hometown, and my parents, visiting my parents for Christmas. Um, yeah, as you said, it's well, today in New Zealand time. It's officially my last day as a professional. I'm about to start a little bit of a New Zealand road trip when I finish this podcast and uh, head down south and do some exploring. So super excited not to be free to take the bike. So like you said, for you, it's already December 31st over in New Zealand. That's officially your last day of being a professional bike rider. How does that feel? Is it? An end of an era? Have you been reflecting on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, like always, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I just try and push the news to the back of my brain and then hopefully I'll wake up and it's the end of it I'm under and I'll realise that I've retired and my job has started. It's sort of the way, I guess you could say, my brain operates is trying not to think about it too much. But I have been reflecting a little bit with my parents and it's been quite nice. Um talking about a few things, but we'll have try not to think too deeply about it because it's going to be, oh, that's been a hard period the last couple of months. But thankfully, the team uh, kept me pretty busy with numerous other tasks and trips and training events and meetings that I've had to uh, UCI calls for directors, so it kept me busy enough not to think about it. 
Shane, you made a fast switch from writer to sports director. What made you decide? Um, wasn't my decision. It was uh, Ralph's. As you said, I spent most of my career career with Ralph. Um, it was more his decision. <laughs> he he proposed it. Um, I was still interested in continuing as a writer, but. The options were there to continue as a writer, obviously. I'm of an age that I could stop happily now. Um, and with this job to step straight into, it was obviously the dream situation would be taking a year or so or a few months to at least uh, reflect and see what I want to do. But with this opportunity, it doesn't come around every day. So I took the opportunity and, yeah, it was a extremely quick turnaround with Finishing the stage of Tour of Guangxi and then the next day in Ustal and uh, the team's team meeting. So, yeah, it's been good. Tell us what exactly is needed to become a sports director. What type of training or courses do you need to do? I don't know. idea. I'm just winging it. Can you tell me, Steph? You probably know more about it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um, obviously, there's the UCI course that's uh, held every year. In October, and then we here for four and a half days sitting in the classroom, writing the ins and outs of the rules and the logistics and everything. I must say, it's um, majority of it was common knowledge to an ex-professional, probably to a non-professional cyclist. It would be a bit more eye-opening and a bit of a newer experience. And then, like. So that we had actually once you on the license, it's sort of a free for all, and you just sort of go with the flow. But thankfully, my colleagues in the team are very good sports <laughs> directors, and they've been very willing to help me. So basically, all my training's been asking, uh, or not style, I had Bernie as a roommate, and and then uh, training Gavin Mjolker, I had Gasparado, and it's basically just asking him stupid questions that I can't work out on my own. And I've been answering, and I'll do two and a half under with 30 UAE tour in my first two races. And I think that's going to be more my apprenticeship and learning curve more than uh, there's not really a textbook once every UCI license, which I can happily say I did pass. It's not really anything you can study online. I mean, you can go through 265 pages of UCI rules, but I think. They're not really that relevant in the end of the day. So it's more, yeah, just pick that up as you go and just experience on the road. So now we are in the, we are in the same boat. So our job is to ask stu- uh, stupid questions as well. <laughs> Becoming a, a sports director, is it something you always wanted to do? Um, or what were your other career options after being a writer? Clearly the more. Her options are pretty limited, maybe to uh, hairstyling. was about, well, about all I had in the books. <laughs> my my high school qualifications weren't going to get me too far. Um, I've got a, a half-finished university degree in sport management, which was maybe the option was to finish that. But to be honest, I never really considered it or thought about what was going to happen next. Um, I was just taking it one step at a time, even when I had a few interesting years of my career where things were going a bit slower and the end was looking a bit closer. 
I never really considered it. It was always just uh, working out when I got there and make that decision and think about it. And I had to because Ralph had already offered me the job when I was still riding, still uh, the possibility of continuing as a rider. So thankfully, I didn't have to have that months or six month or yearly period of unemployment deciding what I want to do next. So it's a Quite lucky, but I never had a grand sting. Obviously, when I went to New Zealand, I was 17 the first time. So I was, well, basically exactly half my life ago. So I just sort of took it day from day. I never expected to get this far. So now it's, uh, I think I'll just continue that with uh, looking to the future. Riders often say that there are particular races that they really want to ride. Most often it's something like Roubaix or Tour de France. Which races would you like to do now as a sports director? Um, I've got all the ones I want to do. <laughs> Especially Chirp. I really want to do Down Under, obviously, because it's the race I would love to do it every year. It's the race that's closest to home. Um, there's actually New Zealand fans there to go over and watch. Um, I think that's the perfect starting point. I doubt that I'll be ever putting my hand up to do the Tour de France. That would be a long way away. Uh, so I figured uh, too much circus involved in the Tour de France, not Apple Western Boys, just in the near future. There's actually none that I would really like to do. Obviously, there's races I didn't do as a rider that I would like to be involved in, but then it makes no sense to go as a sports director because I didn't do them as a rider. I'm considering being a sports director. So. My program is more tailored to the races that I have done. But maybe in two months I can answer that to you, Steph. But right now I wouldn't say there's a, there's a to-do list in races. I'm pretty happy with the leading race or every race. You're still young. Um, where do you see your tasks as a very young sports director on the team? Um, my tasks are pretty clear. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to be looking after all of the Neo pros that come on the team in the next few years. And then my five riders that I look up individually are all the five youngest guys in the team. So it's quite a significant. Um, it's obviously a four out IBF in the team. I'm the closest in age bracket to them. But in theory, I should understand them. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's true or not. But nah, that's more, more my role. Obviously, on the ground at the races, as sports director, it's not really any different tasks of you. The sports director or nothing, but then change, you still have to do the ins and outs. But the home job is quite exciting for me. It's more looking after the future of Bora and trying to develop them and to ideally stay in the team and not, uh, not leaving and trying to use what I've done more than the selection person who comes to the team. But whoever I'm dealing is trying to develop them into someone that the team wants to keep basically and trying to make their transition because. I mean, I turned professional when I was 25. Most of the guys that are turning professional nowadays, they're going to have five years experience by the time they're 25 because they're all coming in at 19 or 20. So it makes it, I think it's quite challenging for them, but also for me to work with them is going to be a good experience, but something I'm super excited about. And that's the main reason I took the job is that I had a slightly different project than just being a standard sport director, I could say. What do you expect the dy dynamics to be like now you're giving instructions to the guys who were just the season prior your teammates? What's that? No. <laughs> well, 
I really can't answer that. I hope, I hope easy. Um, for sure, there's going to be some very smart ass responses, but that's what I would have done. And I don't expect anything less than that, but I'm sure I think I have a pretty good working relationship with everyone, and it's not going to be a major issue to, uh, I mean, they don't have to change the way they see me. I'm still a teammate in theory. It's only stuff. For sure, there's going to be some interesting, I don't know, there's going to be some interesting situations, but I still want to be seen at the same because uh, I'm not going to change and start running around telling people what to do. The only people I'll be telling what to do is the media team when they ask me stupid questions. Now I can tell them to go to the back of the bus and be quiet. What are you looking forward to most? Really, I'm just looking forward to continuing what I've done anyway the last 10 years, like being involved in the races. Obviously, I just get to skip out the, the part that was becoming the hardest, the actual physical capacity part was uh, living me down in the last couple of years. But just traveling, I still enjoy traveling, still enjoy being on the road, um, being amongst the team, the atmosphere. I've always, uh, it's not that difficult to change for me because I've always been the rider that sat with the staff anyway and talked to the staff, so it's not really a change for me. In terms of that, but yeah, I'm still looking forward to the travel and everything about it. Traveling. Your first race is DS, is just around the corner. It's on the other island, <laughs> to a down under. <laughs> As kind of our down under expert, how is the preparation going? Can you give us a short preview to the race? It is going pretty good. Um, I'm obviously a lot working with Bernie. He's doing a bulk of the work as my first race. He's only giving me, giving me nothing to do because he's done everything. <laughs> um, the, team, the team in general is looking pretty good. Obviously, they're doing here with Sam, the, the Australian local in the team, um, one of our Australian locals. And, I mean, it's already been uh, out there. So obviously a man in the world alongside him, Danny. So I'm sure he's going to be delivered into some very interesting spots. And hopefully they can start the season well and uh, execute it as good as possible. I mean, down is difficult. It's extremely hot. It's extremely short fast racing. Um, you have to be at 110% already, basically. Now on news day tomorrow to be anywhere within a chance of having a result. But you can't say anything. Can the training camp last last week in New York? It looks pretty good. Um, We can only slide out when we get there. And then we have um, the young Catalan Roger alongside Ben uh, riding for general classification. Um, Same so again, it's extremely hard to compete against Australians or people that have done a long stint in Australia. With heat acclimatization, it seems like they're doing uh, the best they can while in Europe. And they just will find out. That's a good experience for. Roger, to have a look and see how he goes. Finally in the world tour. And I've got a very important question for you here. For all the mullet fans out there, we need to talk about the hairstyle. Does your new job and the new chapter that it opens in your life have any influence on your famous haircut? Yeah, it really does, Tip. It's a good question because now I've actually recently changed my conditioner because I don't have to use sun bleach and conditioner anymore because it's not going to get ruined. It requires so much more hours of maintenance and under the half sun, especially in New Zealand and Australia, 
But now I'm going to be in the car at a solid 21 degrees, air conditioned, nice and relaxed. So I think, I think we're going to see a new level of mullet next year. <laughs> Look forward to it. All right. <laughs> So on that note, uh, Shane, thanks very much for taking the time to talk with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. And Andreas, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Steph. And uh, thank you very much, Shane, for taking the time. I think I can speak for Steph and me. We are both very much looking forward to work with you in the future and ask stupid questions, of course, after races. Don't expect it to stop. Thank you very much. All the best. Ciao, ciao. And last but not least, thanks to our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Band of Brothers podcast featuring none other than Shane Archibald.